0: Welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here with our digital director, Mike Hogan, back after a few weeks. Hi. It's good to have you back. Thank you. Our film critic, Richard Lawson.
1: Hello. I'm never (laughs)
0: leaving. And our senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Hi, Katie. So last week, we took a break from talking about, at this point, a month-long series of allegations of sexual assault against various Hollywood figures, and uh, this week, we're right back in it because it's a story that's never going away. Uh, so to start the conversation this week, on Sunday night, Kevin Spacey was accused by the actor Anthony Rapp of having uh, made a sexual advance toward him when uh, Anthony Rapp was 14. Uh, very, it, it hasn't been quite the same as Harvey Weinstein. It hasn't been like this endless series of people coming out since, but there's been a lot of people like talking about it openly for the first time, saying they had heard of things like this. And the fallout has included the halting of production on House of Cards Season 6 and the announcement that they would not have a seventh season, which seems to have already been in the works.
2: But also, I mean, I think it's worth pointing out it may had taken a lot of adult women to accuse somebody of, of harassment. But a 14 year old child, that's like that's ringing a whole separate set of alarm bells. And when it when it did have when it was accompanied by people sort of murmuring, yeah, I've heard stuff like this, you know, that that's that's like really bad. As they're all bad. But like children, that's really bad.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it does seem like after a month of Harvey Weinstein allegations, like no one's willing to kind of like hear it and be like, oh, well, God, I hope it's not true. Like every, when you hear one story like this, everyone's like, yep, okay, he must have done it. There's a, there's a, a willingness to believe accusers that seems to be happening y-
2: more now. Yes. Than even and a that month is ago. a big change, right?
3: Yeah. And especially also with someone like, Basically, who's had these sort of whispers swirling around him. You know, like the people who are getting, you know, in the wake of Harvey, like James Novak or or Brett Ratner today, like these are people who have had, you know, no one's coming out of the blue yet. You know, it's no one that you're just sort of like, oh, him or her? I I would never have guessed.
0: Yeah, unless you're talking about someone like uh, Roy Price at Amazon, who I guess I never like thought about one way or another. Like I didn't know that there were stories about him, but I didn't know. But there were.
3: That story has been cooking in the media for, like, all year. Like, even though it couldn't get printed, like, people were talking about this story that couldn't get printed because they needed more collaboration on it, you know, more corroboration on it.
0: So, uh, right now, the plan is for Kevin Spacey's... Uh, what, what was planned as an Oscar bid, his role in All the Money in the World, where he plays uh, J. Paul Getty, the billionaire. That's still scheduled to be released in December. Uh, do we think that's actually going to come out?
1: I mean, I don't... I don't see any way that they can push that or market that that does i mean like i mean it, the original trailer we talked about on this podcast like it saves the spacey reveal until the very end because he you know has done this makeup and you know voice and everything so they clearly like had this like he was kind of their the ace up their sleeve you know they um in the movie so i just don't know how they kind of reframe that entirely in in what you know a month and change so i, I but i don't know i don't know if one an actor in a film doing something if that is enough for a studio to change course like that. But I, I don't know. I think it's in trouble for certain, for, for sure.
0: The closest equivalent I could think of was birth of a nation last year, which was kind of this huge hit out of Sundance. And then uh, these stories, but what Ink Parker had done in college came out and he was both the star and the director. And it just completely torpedoed that movie's chances. Like no one wanted to, to go near it. Um, But like you're saying, Richard, it's just an actor, but I don't know, like the Spacey's name has become so toxic. And over the course of three days, it's really hard to imagine them coming out of that.
1: I mean, yeah. And the thing about Birth of a Nation was that, um, well, I think also how, you know, black actors or black people are treated in Hollywood versus white people. But but, um, I think Birth of a Nation was so wrapped up in Nate Parker's identity. Like, you know, it was, was, you know, it was such a, you know, full-bodied labor of, of love for him that. You know, it was impossible to remove the narrative from him. With Spacey in this movie, my 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 understanding is that he's sort of a supporting character. It's mostly focused on Michelle Williams and this kind of investigation into this kidnapping. So I don't know. Maybe there is a way for them to either kind of cut around it or to market it differently. So I think it's a little bit more of a question mark than Birth of a Nation was. Which, yeah, absolutely, like that. There was no going forward for that movie. But I think that. The birth of a nation also happened in a time when people were less sensitive to all this stuff, you know, even even just a year or so ago. So that now,
2: I mean, and the movie came out, it just was blanked at the Oscars, which I think, you know, and made like no money. Yeah. I mean, I think that maybe the person, if you want to feel bad for anybody, it's the guy who did uh, Kevin Spacey's makeup, who who, (laughs) chances of, you know, being nominated for an Oscar just sank an awful lot. Yeah. Um, but uh, it would be interesting to see if they even release it or if they just push it and hope that maybe there's a you know less there's a world where the name is less toxic he's done whatever redemption routine you have to do.
0: Do you think there's a, a path for like, that's the thing that I keep thinking is like with Harvey Weinstein, I don't think there's a redemption path like and it like today's stories came out about Brett, Brett Ratner and his behavior that's kind of developing as we record this. I can't figure out what the redemption path is anymore. It just seems so such an intense, backlash now compared to what it used to be.
2: Well right. In the old days you'd hide out well you first you'd go to rehab or whatever, then you'd hide out for a while, then you'd go like cry on Oprah's couch and then you'd get, like, a reality
1: show. And it took about a year and a half yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. year.
2: And P- Americans love a second act, and they love to forgive. I, I mean, I think we would be kidding ourselves if we thought that th- those dynamics are going away or that there won't be backlashes to this. I mean, there will be a major backlash, I, I suspect, to all of this, you know? In, and, in what way? Well, I mean... We live in a country where Trump is the president and men's rights groups are running around with Nazis, you know, and young kids think that that's kind of like a cool way to rebel. So at some point, these guys are all going to get together and be like, what the hell? You know, I was just like living my life. I'm a man, you know, like, give me a break. If you don't like it, fuck you. And they'll find some corner to exist in. And some people will be cool with that I at, at, at least I, mean, I, I think you, I mean let's just you know be let's face it like that's the kind of society we live in and
1: that's human nature you've already seen people uh, using the kind of hashtag me too thing as an example that now these accusations are kind of a trend and they're they they don't really hold any weight you know I mean I've already seen people trying to dilute this thing you know yeah. like and and not just like random people on Twitter like people writing things about about this kind of deluge of, of, of stuff so I I know what you mean Mike but I yeah i i don't know um uh, you know i don't know what the what what the kind of cor- like the um I mean,
2: I mean there are people who are fans of and now this is very fringe but like my friend wrote the book on Columbine and he knows there are people who are fans of like the Columbine killers. Yeah. You know. So yeah. so there's redemption is available for basically everybody. Remember Charlie Sheen, like that whole thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, hashtag winning. So I think it's, you know, it's depressing to think about, but I do think like there will be a but I don't know. I mean, you're not you're not A list anymore, I don't think. You're not you're not at the Oscars and, anymore, and, presumably.
1: And, and you know, let's kind of talk about one of the elephants in the room it was with spacey's thing you know the fact that it was a boy and not a girl like like that he he gets hung out to dry you know uh, and and not 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 unfairly i'm saying but like i think that he'll have less people kind of like being like rallying behind him and like hey he was just being this or whatever like this is a you know it, it's it's a different kind of thing than uh you know someone who could in the most generous of lights be called what like a lothario or something like that like yeah. this is very different from that and it's going to be treated differently
2: although i you know and richard you and i were talking about this off you know privately yesterday there's also kind of a weird thing where it's sort of like and i it, I'm just gonna throw this out there. I've already heard. Well, wait a minute, Call Me by Your Name is a movie about like a seventeen-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so why is that like a beautiful love story? Uh like where you know, still illegal here. Now you pointed out that the, the line le-
1: well, is it's, it's, it's not fifteen a, in it's, Italy. It's not illegal in Italy. It's actually not illegal in, in, in states in, in some states in the United States. But you know, at that aside, the legality of it aside that's a well it's a fictional story sort of but like it's also a matter of context and and that that in that film who makes moves and like and 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 I feel like it's much more delicately articulated in the way that it is in a movie like The Diary of a Teenage Girl, which is about a 15-year-old girl sleeping with Alexander Skarsgård, you know? And and it's it's handled as a fraught situation, but it's also, there's a humanity to it, and it's not someone preying on somebody. And if that, it, you could do a, a version of Comedy by, by Your Name that was, and it would be, um, maybe it would, you know, be as appalling as anything else. But, like, I, I think it's a matter of context.
2: I, well, my point is only that that that, like, As much as I think, you know, I I just I just think life is super complicated. Mel Gibson came back to the Oscars, like we will we will we may be surprised. Like a year
0: ago. Uh, No like that's we're so recent from Mel Gibson getting a best director nomination. That's the like the crazy thing I keep thinking about.
2: Yeah.
3: But I feel like the tone on that has I don't know. And also the Casey Affleck stuff last year, like we're only a year away from that. And like, but I also feel like the tone or the temperature on Mel Gibson has has frozen back over. I don't know since then. I don't know. That's, that's completely anecdotal, but it it feels like to me when he shows up in like posters for daddy's home, there's two or whatever it, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a frosty reception to that. So I don't think Mel Gibson is like completely, you know, back. If if at all, you
1: know. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that the second chance well has run dry. I mean, because it was it people use I mean, it was it was a it was pretty easy to kind of tap into that narrative. And I feel like now maybe something that the volume of this these accusations coming out, people are just like, you know what? No, like, forget all of you. Like, we're not like we're not in that business anymore. I mean, we'll see. Uh, Hollywood is remarkably poor to learn lessons like this, you know, or their, their, their memory is short. But I don't know. I, I agree with you, Joanna, that something does feel different now.
2: Just mark my words. One of these guys is going to come back as a Fox News host. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think what a that, threat. What a threat. I think that... <laughs> That's that is the that's the new road to re- redemption. Right. There's no more Oprah's couch. You just flip over, become conservative, and, and Bre- everybody's like so happy to have a crappy conservative, a, a crappy celebrity be a conservative that you become like a hero.
1: Breitbart, Bart, Hollywood editor, Mel Gibson. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I can't account for, and I'm not sure that anyone can, is we talk about how we feel like the tone has shifted and the conversation has shifted, but we know that there's all of these guys that Mike always references, like the old guys in Bel Air who maybe think that like this is all overblown and this is just how the business has always been. And I can't figure out how many of them are still powerful in the academy or how many of them literally are there. And if we're going to like feel this huge wave of movement and then come along to the Oscars and be surprised by how little of this has been paid attention to, because there's still a large contingent of old white men in power who kind of think that things should stay the same.
2: I mean, I, watching I Tanya last night, I thought this movie should be celebrated like crazy at the Oscars for so many reasons because it's a woman's, you know, perspective at least through through the eyes of you know Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding, who's also a, uh, a an executive producer. And there's all this weirdly relevant stuff like people wearing a wire to uh, entrap one another, and judges that like you know are discriminating against a woman because she's you know lower class or whatever. But yeah, I'm worried that the that the old line Oscar people might just be sitting there going, what the hell is this? And, and more interested in some of these, you know, whereas I saw Blade Runner and it's a good film, but in that movie, in light of right now, it's just another like dude movie where women are props and like, mm-hmm. there's all these kind of problematic people popping up throughout the film. And I don't know. I mean, I hope there's real change, but I just wonder.
1: Well, I think that, you know, uh, there are myriad examples of uh, the sort of old guard, or the super powerful in Hollywood, or the su- or, or the once powerful but but still revered, being remarkably more insulated from. I mean, frankly, public discourse than than we think they are because they have wrapped themselves up in their own legacies and don't need to interact with anything beyond that. You know, you listen, this is not really related, but you listen to Alec Baldwin's podcast where he talked to Barbara Streisand and it's just these two lunatics talking to each other (laughs) who have not heard anything about the world and it's just like the most insane thing and you're like, because they have not actually interacted with culture or anything beyond their own sort of nose in so many years. I don't mean to call them out specifically, But like, but you know, so I I think that there is a remarkable thick kind of scrim uh, between a lot of very powerful people in this industry and the rest of the world. So I don't know what permeates that. Hopefully, at least some of this will, because it's been so much. Just sheer volume might might kind of do the trick. But but yeah, I don't I don't see a huge. You know shift in the way that Hollywood interacts with this stuff right now immediately maybe long term once some people get older and you know fade away but but in the immediate run I don't know how much it actually comes to bear on this particular year.
0: I do think at the very least Harvey Weinstein being kicked out of the Academy permeates like there's no way that you can be an Academy member of any age or any location and have missed that. And like, you know, the Weinstein Company doesn't have a contender in this year's race, even Wind River, which was kind of their one dark horse hope has found someone else's name to put on it. Uh, so they maybe they'll just like write it off as Harvey being the one bad guy and go about their business. I mean, I can also see it like Mike was saying is like an excuse for the, you know, homophobes who are left less left in the Academy to find not to vote for Call Me By Your Name, which I'm sure is something that they're thinking of at Sony Pictures Classics yeah i'm I'm worried about getting my hopes up too much i guess
1: yeah i mean i think also the thing about weinstein we talked about it when you know in our initial podcast about that story is that there is the danger like you said that that he will just be sort of you know that he would have been singled out as just the one bad guy because everyone hated him anyway you know um and so it's just like well they can pile it all on him now just a couple weeks later i don't know if that's possible i think that weinstein will still largely be the sort of you know scapegoat or something you know uh, of this a bigger story but um but yeah i I don't i don't i don't i feel like it's it's amazing that just in a couple weeks that that sort of story has changed But
2: but as stuff comes out about people like dustin hoffman what i suspect you're gonna find is is as ridiculous as it sounded when harvey said hey i was a child of the 60s and 70s you're gonna hear a lot of people going, "Hey, come on." it was like this is how people were in those days. We didn't these weren't the rules because because somebody like him is just you know celebrated and I think it's you know i I think that women have never felt that this stuff was okay. you know, men have never maybe maybe in those days didn't really bother to ask whether women thought it was okay or thought right. that it was too bad if they didn't like it or whatever that that's clearly like a major change in our culture but i don't know that that hollywood or anyone's going to have the appetite to be like all right basically 30% of the dudes in this town that we all <laughs> worship are assholes and yeah. are kicked out well, of the club like that doesn't seem likely
3: what's what's been interesting and maybe i'm just in my well definitely i'm in my own echo chamber of twitter but like all these attempts at justification have been just falling very on, you know, like with a clang, right? So, you know, Spacey's statement, uh, just widely ripped to shreds, obviously. Alec Baldwin's interview with LA Times, where he was talking about James Toback and sort of like trying to not to like double down on Alec Baldwin, but that interview was hugely tone deaf and and indicative of what both what both Richard and Mike are saying. Like Richard saying that Baldwin exists in this bubble where he's like, well to me James Toback is this. So, you know. Um and then also even though Alec Baldwin is quite um quite, you know, ostensibly liberal, what Mike is saying about this whole like, well, you know, he's a guy. He used to go up and talk to women and say weird things. I knew that about him. That's fine. You know, like that attitude None of it is flying. It- in my echo chamber. <laughs> I don't know about the larger conversation, but like all of these, all of these sort of attempts, I just feel like are immediately being shut down. It really does feel like a time. Um, you know, when the, when the Ratner news came out today, uh, someone, you know, a friend of the pod that uh, Katie and I both know was like, or no, maybe it was Katie. It was like, it's Brett Ratner day. And it feels like it's this day, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's the day of that we finally, you know, I'm, a, I'm looking forward to Woody Allen day like you know i'm just like yeah these the the day of reckoning has come for these people whether that means they are permanently tossed out of hollywood on their ear and as you say mike 30 percent of the workforce if not more is just gone i don't know but man that would be amazing Be great
2: yeah and by the way i don't want to get too paranoid i just with trump in the white house and and you know looking at how the alt-right operates and everything i think we're in an early stage where where you know the sort of progressive folks and sort of common sense folks are, are having their say. I just, I imagine that, you know, this will all get much more complicated over the next two years, but I think it's, but uh, as depressing as I find the news, it is really, really good that people are getting listened to, that stuff is coming out, that people aren't just laughing off these awful things that, that have been laughed off for too long, you know, or, or whatever, or, or, or swept under the rug.
0: Alec Baldwin said one thing that was right, which he was talking about James Toback and saying like, because we couldn't get Trump, like he ha- he did all these terrible things. We couldn't get him. Everyone wants to like go after these other people. And he was saying that it's a bad thing. I think that's exactly what's happening and is, you know, having a really positive impact. So
2: yeah, well in a way, like uh, if we're a culture that couldn't figure out a way to not elect someone who admitted that he gropes people in the, in the most in- intimate you know way imaginable then we do have work to do and maybe we do have to go look at all the hypocrisy in hollywood to say why don't why are people taking us seriously when we say
1: this guy is a (laughs) groper right you know i mean i think you need look no further than fox news speaking of them than the way that they just leapt on the Weinstein story in complete ignorance of their own Roger Ailes Bill O'Reilly all these you know all these other accusations people fired in settlements and all that stuff people are amazingly able to compartmentalize this stuff yes and and uh you know so I I wish that I had more optimism about a systemic change coming out of all this maybe it will if it keeps happening but um you know I, I, th-
2: I think it's, it's definitely a systemic change I I hope is that when people say something they're gonna get listen to it, it, yes and right and and that's important and and people are going ahead and publishing stuff instead of just um you know sitting back and going ah well we, who knows it's his word against hers right and um and that will probably cr- end up in a conversation that's more complicated than the one we might expect at first but at least it's the conversation I guess yeah yeah you know,
1: I, you know and I think that like all of a sudden in a, in a more legitimate way you're seeing more mainstream outlets pay attention to Corey feldman who's been saying this for decades you know yeah. and and
0: talking you know. about pedoph- pedophilia in particular yeah. which yeah. is yeah. like you yeah. know a really horrifying or rose
2: mcgowan i mean look what happened to her and all of a sudden it's like oh she was right sorry for just trashing her and marginalizing her uh-huh. and treating her like a lunatic yeah. for the last 10 years so it's hopefully like, that
1: you're right that 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 at least will change and which is a which is a huge important validating change and and also will lead to 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 more i would yeah. think you know
0: I mean, is the fact that Kevin Spacey came out and is like maybe the most famous... He, he came out at a point in life and he'd already had two Oscars. It's kind of a big deal in this context. Is there anything to do other than just like shake our heads and be frustrated that it happened this way? Does it mean anything in, in the larger sense of A-list actors coming out?
1: Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I can I can talk a little about that in terms of like, you know, I, I had some viral tweets this weekend mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> you know, I think that, that what people were mad about was not... You know, look. We, now that he's come out and said it, we can just say it. everyone knew that Kevin Spacey was gay for for years, and it was not. It was it was a, it was beyond an open secret. He lived in you know what they call the glass closet, and people wanted him to come out because, in the same way, they wanted certain other actors to come out who haven't yet. Um, be, because at the time it was like this would be good optics for us, right? This this for for the gay community, like this you know this look at this famous person you all love on this show, but to do it as a cover for a very serious very criminal accusation, um, to, de- kind of deflect by saying, by, by actually kind of inviting almost sympathy or, 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 you know, declaring allegiance with a, with the gay community to, as, as, you know, as, a, as, a, as a, means to, uh, to it was deflection. It was to, yeah, deflection. I, I just, that was just the height of cruelty and of, um, self-indulgence and, and just sort of self-preservation that, um, it was gross and i think that um billy eichner uh tweeted out um something funny he was like kevin spacey did something found something no one has found before the wrong time to come out like it was just like it was like exactly it was just such a it was kind of a kick in the gut you know and there is another or you know at least one other actor i can think of who has had accusations leveled publicly over the years um not not too long ago who is known to be gay as well. And I'm just like, well, if that if he does that too, like I'm you know, I just hope that this did not set a precedent where these people accused of bad things are then sort of trying to hide, as Wanda Sykes said, you know, take cover under the rainbow or something.
2: Well, taking advantage of all the work that everybody else who had more courage right. did right. to go from twenty years ago when I first heard about Kevin Spacey. You know, it was still sort of like really, you know, the gay community was not where it is today by no. a long shot. No, um, and and then to just wrap yourself in that, it really is cynical.
1: It's it's incredibly cynical, and you know, something I said on 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 sort of when when the news came out was that like you know and i'm I'm not the only person to say it but like it just moves the 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 bar back a little bit toward this and you know uh anita bryant shit where like every gay guy is a pedophile and it's just like that those associations have been so hard to get past that every little thing like this just like it 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 undoes a little bit of progress and that's really frustrating
2: and it seems like it kind of worked too it kind, I mean, it, it didn't kind, work for his career, but publicly the conversation shifted. Exactly
0: so kind of moving on to talking about the general tone of the world and how hard it is to read uh i think we we met at some point to talk about suburbicon which is the new film directed by george clooney which just whiffed so hard at the box office last weekend it opened really wide it opened on over two thousand screens which is kind of crazy and uh made about three million dollars um it's got matt damon and julianne moore and oscar isaac in it and it premiered at toronto kind of alongside all these other films as a big awards season contender and toronto was where this movie kind of started to fall apart uh Richard, I can't remember if you saw it at Toronto or Telluride, but you were kind of one of the early people who saw it and were like, no, thank you.
1: Well, so uh, I was talking about this um, last night with a friend of the podcast, David Sims, who who, who um, mentioned that it's Paramount's worst wide opening ever.
0: Ever? <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, and, um, but so it premiered at Venice and the word out of Venice was actually like, you know, mixed to positive. And so, we, so David and I were trying to figure out the timeline of this bomb. And we think, so in Toronto they screened Suburbicon outside of the festival, what they would call a junket screening that just happened to kind of coincide with the very beginning of Toronto. A a bunch of people saw, like myself, saw the movie in one of those kind of extra festival screenings. And I think that is when the worm turned or whatever. Like, that's when the narrative sort of changed to this being a complete mess. And in that sort of panic... Clooney and Paramount and company, they scheduled or a, a sort of like powwow between Clooney and Grant Heslov, the co-writer uh, and producer, with a kind of select group of critics to sort of sit down and talk through this movie that had suddenly become, and I think much to their surprise, deemed problematic. So I think it really was that like Wednesday of Toronto when the narrative for this movie just kind of plummeted.
0: Man, who says critics don't matter anymore?
1: Yeah, right.
0: So, I mean, do you feel like, obviously, what has happened since then has kind of only put pressure more on white men in power, and George Clooney, I think, has always been, like, reliably on the right side of things. He supports good issues, he does charity, like, he's had a lot of good things to say about Harvey Weinstein, but somehow, like, that just doesn't count for this movie, which is really interesting for a star as gigantic
1: as Clooney. Well, I also think that, to his credit, I mean, I I, I can't cite anything exactly, but my understanding of how that that thing went in toronto with the critics and 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 just as i've seen him kind of in various the the limited press he's done for suburbicon i I think that he kind of listened and accepted it i think he was like you know what you're right we tried to do something we we failed i think that he you know i I think he kind of let paramount bury the movie um or or just kind of ignore it I, i i honestly think that and i and i could be wrong but my my sense was that Clooney. Um, actually listened and was like, all right, you know, let. But
2: bury you know. the movie, meaning don't do, save the money on the marketing, even though yeah. it's, you're already
1: booked 2,000 theaters. I mean, it seemed that's it seemed to me that that's what they did cause, because because yeah. the marketing kind of steeply dropped off. Yeah, um,
0: I did receive a Suburbicon lunchbox though, so they're, they're doing something <laughs>
2: yeah. right because he had those special. He called like meetings to talk with r- r- critics and just say, "Hey, yeah. I want I want to discuss this." And oh, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, which I feel like you know, look, it's un- it's it's remarkably unrealistic that like that could happen with any- with every studio and every movie that's problematic or whatever. But like that was a really like interesting approach to the issue you know yeah. and I, I i i don't i don't know if it was just because they they seem to be so caught off guard by it but yeah. whatever whatever the reason um uh it it felt like um it felt like people were actually paying attention the people who needed to pay attention were paying attention so
2: so specifically what is the problem
1: yeah so that the movie uh is written by joel and nathan cohen but it's an old script of theirs it's been around for years i think a couple decades um and um they decided they didn't want to make it and then Clooney decided he did but he took this kind of you know kind of crime goes awry sort of fargo-esque plot and grafted on this element of sort of a, a sort of racism lesson onto it so you have this core story with matt damon and Julianne Moore uh, and Oscar Isaac, where there's a murder, and it's an you know, and so it's basically this kind of family destroying itself a- in this fifties, you know, a nuclear family kind of s- suburban development. Meanwhile, a, bl- a a young black family moves in, and the neighborhood freaks out. So on occasion, the movie will sort of turn away from the Damon and Moore stuff and show how the neighborhood is reacting to this black family the black family gets barely any chance to speak. They're not really characters. They're sort of just used as this motif Mm -hmm. to make this very easy, ironic joke about, hey, this whole time this neighborhood has been freaking out that this black family's moving in. Meanwhile, the white family next door has been killing each other and like, you know you know they're they're the dangers they're the menaces not this black family which sure like in a twilight zone 22 minute twisty kind of way that's interesting but to say that you're centering a movie on racism and then have the black characters barely have any lines is a, a weird and misstep and and the whole gig the whole like gimmick plays very awkwardly and just doesn't work
0: what I keep thinking about, SuburbanCon premiered at Toronto. It was, you know, three weeks after Charlottesville. And I think issues of race were, like, really at the forefront of conversation nationally and in Hollywood and uh, yeah, ideas of representation, which I think really put all of us in stark relief. And now so much of the conversation has shifted to gender and dynamics and assault. And it just ma- makes me realize that, like, as this award season goes on, like, what feels like the thing that everyone is talking about could change, like, four more times based on what happens in Hollywood, what Trump does. It's, uh, It all feels super... Uh, like it could change at any moment right now
3: well maybe that's what's you know we keep calling this an unpredictable award season like maybe that is the 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 trump effect for some weird reason you know like the trump just keeps swinging and other things keep swinging the conversation back and forth to all these different things we're chasing all these different rabbits and um you know these these various movies are falling by the wayside and you know, I I keep talking about this because I'm I'm from a slightly more outsider perspective than you guys are. But to watch us head into all this talking about stronger and Battle of Sexes and Con and to see all three of those, you know, I'm just going to keep a running list of all these movies that like are just. Premiering with a whimper and going away, and I know that happens every year, but it seems like more so this year that that the vanishing act is really a vanishing act, you know, for these for these other movies.
1: It, it is. I, I know what you mean, uh, Joanna, and I think that that. Um uh, you know, I, I think that, that what happened to Suburbicon is different from what happened to Stronger in Battle of the Sexes, but I think that a, a closer analog to Suburbicon could be on its way, which is Alexander Payne's Downsizing, a movie, an, another Matt Damon movie that, you know, sort of played well in Venice, then didn't really play well at the other festivals. Uh, it was at Telluride in Toronto, and has this problematic um, Vietnamese character kind of pretty close to the center. She's basically the romantic lead in the movie. Um that I don't know if it's enough to entirely sync the movie, but like, I think that that is not on terra firma at all. And I believe that's also paramount.
2: Well, and for something like Suburbicon, you know, if that movie's going to work, it's got to be a direct hit to liberal America. Right, I mean, it's not like conservative America is not going to see this movie. It's a it's a satire about how stupid they are. (laughs) So he has to like nail everything perfectly with progressive America. And if he screws that up, you know, that's when critics are are important, because if everybody sees on their Facebook like Clooney's thing has weird racial politics, there's too much other stuff going on. People are like, well, I
1: don't need to see that then. You know, I'm not going to put my and and that's it. You're done. I I think that there's an I think that even just a few years ago, a, a, a well-meaning kind of satire fable like like suburbicon is you know that doesn't that that misses the mark people would have been like all right like you know credit for trying yeah but like missing the mark now from a huge celebrity with all this money behind it with so huge celebrities in it and i think you know not for nothing damon has been kind of dragged through the mud a little bit recently because of um the weinstein stuff um I just think that missing the mark is less forgivable at this current moment. Yeah. Or it certainly was in September post you know Charlottesville and everything, you know?
2: Well people are pissed and they're really spending most of their time uh, if you're talking about the left half of whatever you want to call it, the the, right. the, the anti Trump half of America. Uh, most really, of whom
0: are Academy voters or most right. Academy voters are that not most anti-Trump people Lord, are in the Academy. So, I, I right.
2: think we hope um, <laughs> uh, they're pissed off they're totally consumed with reading the news and if they're going to go see something it's got to it's got to break through and be really really compelling right it's got to have be like you got to see this this is really important not like oh George he tried but then he kind of like you
1: know it's a whiff yeah yeah it's a whiff and and, and ex- well,
3: also it, it has to premiere in the shadow of another a satire about race relations and suburban neighborhoods which is get out which is like both so great a and has hit. like you know a, a, a you know a person of color directing and writing it so it's just sort of like okay here's these white guys trying to do it but jordan peele already did it so much better like perfectly and incisively without a, a misstep in it you know so yeah that 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 hurts it even more
0: well, Mike, you've brought you've up Blade Runner 2049 a couple of times. I wanted to maybe end the show by just talking about some of the things that we've all had the chance to catch up with lately. Mike, I think you and I are both playing a lot of catch up, trying to just see the th- things that feel like contenders. What have you caught lately that maybe feels significant to you or like we're not talking about it enough?
2: Well, I just, I already brought it up, but I, Tanya, I, Tanya, I, Tanya, I, Tanya. I, I really I hope that that movie can can get in there. I understand that it's that it's a little weird, but this is you know this new academy I think can can get into weird, and um I just the perspective on it was so refreshing. I mean, I. I <sighs> I know we're everyone's caught between being a hypocrite and compartmentalizing. But like even I'm just sick of like white guy in a baseball cap, movies. I just don't care what white guys have to say right now, frankly, including myself. <laughs> so I might just stop talking about it. Although right I after Tanya this.
0: was directed by a white guy.
2: I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's from the perspective of of um a woman, so there's at least that. And she did produce it, right? So um and um, I love that she like basically transforms herself into Parker Posey for some reason, like somehow to play this role. <laughs> like there were several times where I was watching, I was like, "This is Parker Posey from like Best in Show." Um, you know, she's Australian and the braces and the hair mm-hmm. and you know just being tortured by everybody and somehow like being that sort of awful character, but also <laughs> making you love her. And so I know I everyone's talking about Alison Janney, but I actually feel like Margot. That's like a really, really special performance. The, the Allison Janney is just like hilarious and fun and she'll get nominated. And maybe she'll win. But like, I hope that Margot can actually get, um, you know, notice for this and that the film will get noticed because I, I think it was just it really just was something that I was like very glad to be watching last night.
3: Does it feel like a sure shot Golden Globe nomination and then a harder run at Oscar for Margot Robbie?
1: yeah i think that's that's probably that's a good bet you know because it'll definitely play in the comedy category um i just have to say it's um, to our listeners it's sad this will be my last episode of the podcast because i hate this movie and i can't believe that you guys (laughs) like it but uh but no i but i'm this is what
0: finally tears us
2: apart
1: (laughs) i'm gonna let the praise um stand no 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 Uh, well tell me why to me that movie feels cruel i think it 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 mocks these people uh until the last 20 minutes and then it's like oh but they're human and i don't think it really earns that those last 20 minutes um i think i i just think it's such a rich interesting story and to tell it in this kind of mockumentary style uh doesn't do it justice i think there should have been more kerrigan i also it's a small it's maybe it's a small gripe the music cues are baffling to me why are we listening to all this 70s music in a 90 in a movie about the late 80s early 90s it I, i know that like it doesn't have to be exact to the period but Look, and also I saw that at Toronto. I was tired. It was probably my third movie of the day, or, or maybe the first, and at an early morning. I don't remember. But like, I think I need to see it in a more kind of so you know, sort of like sane capacity, because um, I had such a strong reaction to it that seems to run counter to a lot of you know how a lot of people I respect feel about. it. I
2: did think about there wasn't that there wasn't enough Kerrigan. Yeah, um, yeah. and and I guess what they were, tr- it seemed to me what they were trying to do was was. You know, keep the focus on how Nancy was a victim of circumstance, but while not not pure victim of circumstance, like she's her own person with her own right. volition and everything, but right. that, but that if you bring Nancy up too much, you're going to sort of lose your ability to kind of relate to to. Um,
1: Tanya, because it's just right. so awful. They weren't doing Battle of the Sexes. They were not, you know, yeah. showcasing the other half.
0: Well, I, I thought of it the way that Tanya, you hear her kind of saying it, like when she's talking to the camera, like, oh, well, all you want to hear about is with Nancy Kerrigan. And like, Tanya kind of sees Nancy as like a footnote in her crazy story. And I thought that the film was kind of trying to follow her lead on that.
2: Yeah, I I, I totally can see what you mean about about the mockumentary aspect. But for me, that translated into a surprising way into a surprising amount of empathy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It mm-hmm. was like, and because and, and, it's, it's very like disturbing and crazy and you're kind of laughing to keep from something else, you yeah. know? I mean, there's a lot of domestic violence in this that's portrayed very, very graphically to the point of like borderline slapstick. See, I think it crosses that line, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I yeah. found it. But I. But to me, it was disturbing the whole time. It wasn't. I wasn't like, oh, that's awesome. No, um, but it was just presented in just a way where you could actually sit through it. Yeah, and ex- endure it and experience it, and also see how she could survive it because she's just what? Is she, what's she going to do? Like, this is her life. Yeah. Um. But but I. But you know, I think it's an interesting. It's certainly on that edge, which I thought made it an interesting movie. Sure.
1: But yeah. No, yeah. I, I think I need to see it again, because, um, you know, uh, I, I think that I also was expecting something much different. And if I'd yeah. gone in, having heard a little bit more about it, like, you know, sort of with, maybe I would have processed it better. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I so know that feeling of like just right? wanting to see the thing that other people saw in a movie and then like dealing with it for six months of an award season.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you guys been able to catch up on Katie or Joanna?
0: I wanted to just talk about the Florida project, which I finally got to see and got to see it on the big screen, which was very exciting. And as I tweeted and somehow like a lot of people responded to this, so I guess I, the feeling is mutual, uh, is that I don't normally like child actors at all. Like I would prefer they not be in movies or be CGI characters if need be, and certainly never get to go to the Oscars. Um, <laughs>
1: Um, wait wait, but, so you're, so you're, so you're, wait so you're saying you want a regular movie but the kid in it is just a computer thing
0: <laughs> no i think that like there's just like should not be kids in movies like i think tr- being a child actor is a terrible way to live no it I, I agree your life yeah uh you and want like, like a like a blade runner 2049 hologram yes exactly like an elvis movies. hologram instead <laughs> okay. of uh instead p- of children
1: p- played by andy circus
0: yeah exactly yeah andy Serkis. he'd be great
2: it doesn't have to be, you know. I was I did my some child acting. I, it's not. It doesn't have to be that horrible.
0: That's it true. You, Never uh, done a movie.
2: You,
0: you did not go the Lindsay Lohan route, Mike. We're very proud of you. Yeah. Um, but I did not hate the kids in the Florida Project at all, and I think it's such a testament to this movie and why this movie is such a, a thrill to watch is that the kids feel authentic and like themselves and like kind of like not great. You know, they're kind of bad kids. They do like little ruffian things, but it's such a uh, empathetic and thoughtful movie and it's from Sean Baker who directed Tangerine which you know, if you've seen that movie it's not a surprise that it works that way but I was really smitten with this movie and I'm like dreading the little star Brooklyn Prince being like trotted out on red carpets because she's going to be tired and want to just take a nap but I'm excited for her and for this movie
3: I also saw this movie on the big screen this past week um, and I I the, the performances from the kids are astonishingly natural like amazing and like but Sean Baker that's what he cast Captured also in Tangerine, not from children, but you know, like he's really good at that. And it's, it, I mean, I, I actually think it's a testament to Willem Dafoe that like he's able in that movie to match these. Non professional actors, you know what I mean? Like that's that it does that he doesn't stick out as like the polished actor, even though he's great in it because his style is very naturalistic as well. Anyway, uh, I liked it a lot. I wasn't as blown away by it as some people were. I'm just I'm impressed by what Sean Baker can do and I love Tangerine, but um, I don't know how how long this movie will stick with me. Um, and I also am not, I'm I'm back in the Katie, usually Katie Camp, I don't want to see Brooklyn trotted out on the red carpet. I just don't like that part of award season at all. You know, it's like the mascot of the movie and they're so cute. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't like it.
0: We're all waiting for the Stranger Things kids to have like their Mm. terrible downfall.
1: It's the kind of thing where um, I remember when I saw Super 8. And um, with the exception of Elle Fanning, I hadn't I didn't and I didn't know who any of those other kids were. And I thought they were great in it. And I was like, they're so good in it. I hope they never do another movie. It's (laughs) it's that kind of thing. And I feel the same way about the kids in the Florida Project, where they're just, you know, he just kind of plucked these kids out of, you know, obscurity and and um, and they work so well in the movie. It doesn't feel exploitative. And, you know, you hope that this is just a cool experience and they don't try to recreate it. I mean, if they do, great. Good you know, good luck to them.
3: Yeah, I was about to name some other child actors who I wish hadn't worked after their premiere movie. And I don't want to do that because they're children. But I, I just want to agree that there are some child performances that, like, maybe in the first one they capture something so magical and so unstudied. And then you, you can't help but become more studied because you're like a child in Hollywood then. And then you're doing more projects. And uh, for the most part, I would say... Whatever, ninety-five percent of the time, uh, they're not able to do what they did in that first movie where they didn't know what they were doing. Do you know what I mean? And then, um, and then there's the five percent that you know the Fannings or whatever that that go on to do amazing work.
0: I was just gonna say we haven't seen Kavonjene Wallace in a live action film in a couple of years. I, I hope she's in school and living her. her... her no, I know, and like I don't like I, it's not a judgment on her talent. I just hope she's in school and doing whatever she wants to do and is not thinking about Hollywood at all.
2: Yeah, I think I think I think you got to finish. Finish school. Stay in school, kids. There you go. (laughs) There you go.
1: (laughs) I mean, and, and the thing is, like, it does sometimes work. Sometimes there's a conversion but look, what has to happen to you? Someone has to try to kill the president in your name, and then you have an adult career. <laughs> you have to go through the that. hell that Drew Barrymore did before you reinvent yourself. I mean, it, like it, it, you you know, it's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard uh, line to tread from very young to you know a, a professional career. Or just
2: go to a good college to do the Emma Watson. You got to just do the Emma Watson path.
1: That's right. That's yeah. the way to go. Yeah. yeah.
2: Natalie Portman degree.
3: worked out okay. Nothing that this young actress. And what's her last name? I only know she spells Brooklyn with two Ns. Brooklyn Prince. Me, Nothing that she did in this movie strikes me as, like, good acting, except for maybe one crying scene, which, like, who knows what they did to her to get her to cry. Um,
1: Angelina Jolie put some toys in front of her. No. Oh, my
3: God. (laughs) But, um, you know, other than that, like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like good acting. It just seems like Sean Baker just like let a kid be a kid on screen on a camera, you know, and which is great to great effect in the film. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it will be interesting also to see what happens. Um, with the actress who plays her mother because mm-hmm. she similarly was, I think that uh, Sean Baker found her on Instagram. Her name is Bria Vinette. I liked her a lot. Um, and she's really good in it, but you know, similarly it's, it's possible he just kind of created this, this environment um, for her to be kind of work in and then, um, I don't know if she can recreate it or not, but like presumably she's older and was more cognizant of what she was doing. So maybe, I don't know. But but I think that that's an interesting line that he tends to tread in his films. I think that, that you could say the same thing about Tangerine where it was quote unquote non-professional actors or non-actors, which is kind of a weird term, but, but you know, um, where they work so beautifully in that movie and you wonder if they will work in something else. I mean, I know that both of those, the actresses in Tangerine are, are, are working and doing other things now, but... Um, I don't know. I just, I think that he has that, this, that very sort of organic found quality. And you wonder how much of that is synthetic, like how much is he creating that? And how much is he just capturing something and that is uh, that you cannot capture again?
0: Anything else that everyone wants to give a shout out to as we start, for, I mean, Richard, your critics group votes in less than a month. So I don't know why you're not watching a screener right now.
1: Ooh, yeah, well, I'm about to. Um, let's see. I mean, it's I mean, coming out this week, and it's not an Oscary movie at all. I, I watched a little movie called um, My Friend Dahmer that was at Tribeca back in the spring, and it's based on a graphic novel about a guy who was fr- friends with, for a little while with Jeffrey Dahmer in high school. Um, and uh, it's really creepy. Anne Hayesh does a kind of gonzo, kind of similar almost to Janny and Aitanya performance mm. as J- Dahmer's mother. Um, but an actor named Ross Lynch, who is kind of a Disney Channel kid, uh, he did those. Um, um, what are those like beach party throwback ones uh, that they're sort of like they were you know they were trying to recreate the magic of High School Musical and by doing like a Frankie and that kind of thing anyway he was in those so it's a complete reversal for him as this you know very d- damaged and, and troubled kid but it's a good performance and I don't know how many theaters it's going to be in or anything but like you know maybe it'll get some independent spirit Awards or something but it's an interesting dark movie um, that if you want to feel um, even darker than we all do already check it out wow
2: yeah, I, you know, I saw I saw Blade Runner, and I just think I think uh, we'll finally see that Roger Deakins um, Oscar. I mean, this is not a new thought or anything, but um, but well, that's so. a very cool looking movie. It's I, gorgeous. There's there's you know, it's not the greatest film ever made, but uh, but look look wise, it's incredible. It it takes the original look and just updates it in a really really great way.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I I think you're right, Mike. I think. I mean, I think that movie maybe could have done a little bit better to sort of help shore up Deacons' chances, but I think that that branch of the academy is not going to ignore him or forget yeah. him.
2: Um, I did. Wa- I did tweet when I left. Has Denis Villeneuve ever laughed? And um, <laughs> and somebody said they did see him laugh at a screening of 2001 and I said well was he laughing at the absurdity of the universe and the person was like yes actually that's what he was laughing at
0: (laughs) yeah that guy is uh, not known for his sense of humor but it's it's working for him
2: (laughs) not a ton of humor in that one
0: That does it for this week's Little Gold Men. Thanks as always for listening. Please find us and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate you helping us find new listeners. You can find us all at VanityFair.com and on Twitter at Little Gold Men, where we love hearing from you. You can also find us on our own on Twitter. I'm at Katie Rich. Mike?
2: Mike underscore Hogan. And Richard? Rylaws.
0: And Joanna? All child actors should be CGI. (laughs) 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 Thank you for changing your handle and honoring my campaign. (laughs) This episode was edited and produced by Jordan Bell, and thanks to Andy Bowers at Panoply.
3: And this week's award for Best New Trump Impression goes to Richard Lawson.
1: I had some viral tweets this weekend.